Hello, and welcome to the Breakwater Podcast. I am Samantha, the Drug-Free Communities Grant Coordinator for Breakwater, and your host for today's podcast. I am so excited to share this interview with you. I had the opportunity to sit down with Tracy Rathberg and Macy Shrout from ThetaCare and Dan Hawk from Acricity Services. Dan is also a member of our steering team, the chair of our treatment and recovery team, and has been a guest host on this podcast a few times. Macy, Tracy, and Dan talked about two really cool new programs available in the Fox Valley area. One is a behavioral health walk-in clinic located in Nina, and the other is an ED2 recovery program that is bringing recovery coaches into the ER when someone experiences an overdose. This program is currently available in Berlin, Shawano, and Nina, with plans to expand availability across all seven ThetaCare emergency departments. I hope you enjoy this interview. For more information, check out the links in the show notes. Be sure to like, subscribe, and rate our podcast wherever you're listening now so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. If you have a suggestion for a topic or guest, send us an email at info at breakwaterwi.org or leave us a comment on our social media. Macy, Tracy, and Dan are up next. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. 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 Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for being here today. So we are here today to talk about ThetaCare's Behavioral Health Walking Clinic and the ED2 Recovery Plus program that's in some of the ThetaCare ERs right now in collaboration with Apricity. Um, so we have three of you on the line this morning. If you guys could each uh, take a moment to introduce yourself. Dan, let's start with you. Sure. My name is Dan Hawk. I am the president of contract packaging and recovery support at Apricity. Um, I've also been on the breakwater steering team uh, for the last couple of years. So I've been part of, of that coalition and uh, was part of uh, helping build and, and create uh, the ED2 recovery program in, uh, in the Fox Valley, uh, working with ThetaCare and, and really excited to be a part of that. Uh, as that is moving forward. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. Tracy? Hi, I'm Tracy Ratzberg. I work on the community health team at ThetaCare, and I am a community health specialist. Thank you for being here today. Macy? Hello, thanks for having me today. My name is Macy Shrout, and I'm the manager of psychology and psychiatry here at ThetaCare Behavioral Health. Um, currently, I also oversee and manage the new behavioral health walk-in. Thank you so much for being here today. So as we kind of mentioned in the, in the introduction, ThetaCare recently opened two exciting initiatives for the community. One being the behavioral health walk-in clinic, and that's you, Macy. And the other is um, the ED2 recovery program, which is a collaborative effort between ThetaCare and Apricity. And that's you, Tracy and Dan. Let's start with the behavioral health walk-in. Macy, could you tell us more about that clinic? Absolutely. So ThetaCare is obviously very involved with the community and they saw a need to improve access to behavioral health. And um, that was identified as a need, especially during this sort of worldwide pandemic where behavioral health needs are becoming more apparent and um, 
the need to get services to our patients quicker. Um, so with that, Theta Care really um, came together to, for a response to the community um, to be able to come up with a, this idea to be able to build a walk-in care clinic um, where the whole idea around it was to bring access to patients on a same day, next day, um, availability for people to be able to come in. Um, so sort of that's where the idea of the walk-in came into play. Um, the vision that we have around the clinic is to be a, a no wrong door. So we want anybody in the community who needs immediate or urgent help um, to be able to come into that clinic. So when did this when did this clinic open? When did you begin seeing patients there? And what are the hours of operation? Yeah. So we opened in early November, and at that time, um, we really felt that with the surge going on with the pandemic, it was the perfect time to get the doors opened. Um, currently, our hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30. And in the future, as our volumes increase, we hope to be able to expand those hours um, to meet the needs of the community in the evening and weekend hours. Awesome. What are some reasons why people might select this particular clinic as opposed to their primary care or an urgent care walk-in or something like that? Absolutely. So our clinic is geared toward adults. So at this time, we do not serve children. Um, however, I would say that at any point, if an adult with mild or moderate behavioral health symptoms um, or concerns um, needs immediate or um, urgent access to behavioral health treatment, they should come to the walk-in. So at that time, you know, we have the opportunity to be able to have them walk in, maybe wait for a little while and then be able to work directly with a therapist versus having to call their primary care provider and potentially wait a week or two to get in. And, and same goes for an ongoing um, mental health therapists in the community. Sometimes it takes weeks or months to get into their provider. So again, really looking at that person who is looking for immediate or urgent um, treatment for their behavioral health needs. And I don't think we mentioned, where is the clinic located? So we are actually located um, within the Theta Care Physicians Nina Clinic, and that's at 333 North Green Bay Road in Nina. We actually are lucky and have our own entrance on the north side of the building. We're in entrance number three. So when you're looking at the building, um, you can actually park off to the left side and walk in right through that um, entrance number three to be greeted be by our um, patient services representatives. As you mentioned, the pandemic has been hard on mental health for a lot of people. Since the doors opened in November, how has it been going? Are you seeing a large volume of patients presenting to the location or are there any trends you're noticing in this short period of time? Yeah, great question. You know, it's really interesting with COVID. We know that the need is really high 
Um, but equally, we're under a mask mandate, and we want people to be able to stay in their homes as much as possible. So I think that as time goes on, we're going to continue to see an increase in volumes. We absolutely are seeing um, patients come in almost every single day to seek treatment. We have been lucky to be able to offer some telehealth services to individuals as well. Um, we do hope that on that first initial appointment that patients do come in directly into the clinic. And then thereafter, the hope is that we can offer that telehealth service. We project that um, we should be seeing up to 12 patients per day at some point. Um, so again, those volumes are increasing. So far, we've really seen trends of a young adult population, which has been really interesting. Patients coming in saying, hey, my mom heard about your clinic and thought that I should come because I'm struggling. Additionally, we've been able to work with law enforcement who've been able to hand out our cards to people. So we've seen people come in and say, hey, I had an interaction because I had a, a tough night last night and they suggested I come in. So we're seeing those patients come in in the morning. Additionally, we see a trend for for patients to come in in the afternoon. So our mornings have been a little bit slower, um, but patients seem to want to come in around that one, two, three o'clock time. So at this time being open until 4.30 has really been helpful. And nice to hear that it's already being utilized and you're starting to spot some of those and not just people coming on their own, but the referral from parents, the referral from law enforcement. And I think that just highlights, like as a community, we're doing a pretty good job of looking out for each other and speaking up and saying, hey, you seem like maybe you need a little bit of help. Maybe you can try this resource. So that's really cool. Absolutely. What do you think has been the biggest challenge to getting the behavioral health walk-in clinic up and running? Honestly, I think it's kind of been our own internal timeline, right? So we knew that there was a need in our community and we wanted to get this clinic up and running as quickly as possible. Obviously with COVID, that brings a lot of challenges. Um, so we kind of were against our own timeline, right? And with that being said, as a leadership team and with the cooperation of our community and our executive team, we were able to open very quickly and just honestly at the right time as the needs continue to grow in the community with COVID going on. Um, so I would say that was definitely um, one of our biggest challenges. Another one is also related to COVID in that our patients want the help, but they want to do it safely. And we recognize that and do everything we can to make sure that we offer those telehealth options. So integrating telehealth into our walk-in clinic was very essential to keep our community safe. So I think that has been equally a challenge, but a very rewarding one that we were able to successfully meet so that patients can get the treatment that they needed. A lot of times mental health care and substance use treatment are connected. So if somebody is struggling with substance use disorder, they're looking for that type of help. Is this an appropriate place for them to go? Can they find that help at this clinic? Absolutely. So when patients come into the walk-in clinic, again, we are here for access. And again, we want to be a no wrong door. So there are times when our social workers who are therapists may not be the right person. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to get them connected to the right community resource or um, get them access to whatever they need next. So in that situation, we're going to welcome everybody in. And 
the reason that we use LCSWs, licensed clinical social workers in our clinic is because they can serve both populations and serve any of those dual diagnosis patients. Because we are connected to ThetaCare Behavioral Health, um, we offer a multitude of services, psychiatry, mental health therapy, substance use disorder treatment, day treatment services. We want to be able to have people come in um, no matter what the reason and treat them for the reason that they walked in the door. And if we can't, we will get them connected to the right person. That's such a great platform and such a great concept of no wrong, no wrong door. You know, a lot of times you hear people, they're looking for help, they're ready for help, but they just they don't know how there's so many barriers or questions to access it. And if you do a Google search, you're just overwhelmed by the number of things. So the fact that you can walk in and speak to a real life person who is there to help you um, and will help you find the answer is really great. And I think it will serve the community well. Thank you for all of that information, Macy. I want to switch over a little bit to the ED2 recovery program with Dan and Tracy. Dan, Tracy, can one of you tell us more about the program, kind of what it is and how it got started? Yeah, so um, the way we got started is actually in August of 2019, the Fox Cities and Wild Rose chat teams um, chose to uh, host a plunge on addiction. So our chat teams are community health action teams made up of leaders from the community that help us stay tuned into what's going on in the community so we can improve health together. Um, so after we, uh, after we plunged on addiction, we debriefed with both communities separately, Wild Rose and Fox Cities. And it came up that peer support would be an initiative that both communities wanted to address, use to address addiction um, to improve the health. Of, of each community. So we brought both groups together to look through and research different models on peer supports in the community. And we came across the ED2R program through Wisconsin Voices of Recovery. And we brought Wisconsin Voices in to talk about it. And when we also brought Bellin in because Bellin has been a grantee of this program for four years and ThetaCare works closely with Bellin. So it was interesting to us that they had been doing this as well. Um, the, the planning committee decided that ED to R plus was the right direction to go for using peer supports in the community because we were able to leverage the Theta Care emergency departments in this program. So uh, we came alongside the community to identify a program that would work and a way that we could leverage Theta Care resources in this. I'll let Dan explain a little bit more about what the program is. What, what the ED2 recovery program is, is it's really just sending peer support into the hospitals to provide uh, a resource, but, but a resource uh, with a person who has lived experience of, of substance use and, and background. So uh, when, when we go into uh, the ED setting and are talking with a, a patient, we can really speak about it in a way that they can relate to because our recovery coaches and, and peer support has has been in their shoes they've um, they've been brought to the emergency department after an overdose they've been brought to the emergency department by police officers and law enforcement and uh, we can talk about our experiences and i think that really helps to disarm um, 
the the patients uh, and understand, or for them to get an understanding of of uh, empathy and um, just connection. So what what we do with uh, with our coaches is our expectation is that a coach will receive a call and and will report to the emergency department within an hour, um, and, and that can be tough when when we're working with. Sean O'Berlin and Nina. Uh, Sean O is is about an hour fifty five minutes from from the valley, depending on where you are. So uh, we we make sure that we're continuing to grow our recovery coaches in those communities. But we show up at the emergency department with a coach and um, just go in and talk and listen and uh, be there for the person. And, and the other role of a recovery coach is not to suggest a particular type of recovery or to say, you know, this is what worked for me, or this is what you should do. It's really just being there to help them identify what they might want to work on uh, for recovery or harm reduction or, uh, you know, whatever changes that they would like to make. And then we can hopefully connect them to resources in the community, or online or, you know, or just personal connection. And then the other piece about uh, the ED2 grant, and, and this was, I think, one of the most exciting pieces that I learned about it was that it allows for up to 18 months of continued connection. So after we meet with somebody in the emergency department, our hope is that we set up uh, daily check-ins with that patient or recovery. And then, um, kind of see where things are going to determine next steps. So it might be daily for the first week and then every other day for a couple of weeks. And and eventually it might only be once a week or uh, once a month going forward, but just continuing to be there uh, for them for that extended period of time allows them to have somewhere else that they can reach out to another resource that they can talk to about recovery and not feel like they're having to go to the hospital or the emergency department to, to get help, which is not the right resource, but a lot of times they don't, they don't know where else to go. So if we can be a resource for them to say, yeah, you don't, you don't need to go to the emergency department to find treatment. There are resources in your community or uh, you know, there's meetings in, in your area and, and how can we help with that? Excellent. So walk us through, just to make sure that we're understanding it correctly or that I'm understanding it correctly. Uh, A person experiences an overdose and goes to the ER via law enforcement, EMS, whatever pathway they get to the ER. When they're in the ER and they're being evaluated, medically evaluated, and it's learned, okay, this was an overdose, intentional, unintentional, doesn't matter. Um, We'd like to, you know, find some way to help you so then they reach out to Apricity, who has the recovery coaches, and a recovery coach is deployed to the ER, wherever that patient is located. Currently, Shano, Berlin, and Nina are the three sites that are up and running, um, and then more sites are on the, on the schedule to be opening up in the, in the future, correct? Our goal is to have the program available at all seven of the Theta Care emergency departments, and it's um, we're trying to be thoughtful to scale that appropriately for the resources that we have. 
fantastic. So right now, if somebody in Shano Berlin or Nina is brought into the ER and they had experienced an overdose, a recovery coach is deployed and the recovery coach is really there not to assess or diagnose that person with some disorder or condition or something, but really just to sit there and be support and say, Hey, I've been through it, man. You doing okay. You feeling okay. Like, what do you need? How can I help? And just build that relationship and that non-judgmental place of support. Is that right? Yeah. And I think that judgment piece is, is big because I think that that was uh, one of the things that we've heard from the emergency department staff is, uh, you know, this, this coach met with the person and, and, uh, talk to, you know, we talked to the ED staff afterwards and they've talked about the fact that it's been very uh, non-judgmental and the patient has been put at ease and, and talks openly about stuff that, that they didn't think that people normally would talk about. I, I think the other thing that, that we do um, with, uh, with the, the deployment that, that we've learned from other programs. So the, the program has been around for about four years, but obviously is new to, to the Fox Valley. Um, and, and so what they do or what they've learned is that they call us, the, the EDs call us as soon as they suspect that opioids or stimulants are involved. And we have 24-7 on-call coverage with recovery coaches. So they make the phone call, we report to the emergency department, and then once we're there, that's when they ask the patient or say, I have a recovery coach in the hallway. Would you like to speak with them? Not uh, to say, hey, would you like me to call a recovery coach down? I know it's one o'clock in the morning, but you know, would you like us to, to wake this person up and have them come and talk to you? Uh, because people are not going to want to bother people. So they'll, they'll, they'll just say no thank you and, and then it doesn't go anywhere so our hope is that um, by being in the room or being there already that they aren't going to feel like they're uh, putting someone out to to have a conversation with them and so uh, the experiences that that other folks have had with the program is uh, have them at the hospital and then ask uh, if they want to have that meet it's much more successful uh, to, to make that connection then and you mentioned specifically opioids and stimulants. Um, and we know like overall throughout this pandemic, overdoses, overdose deaths have risen to very concerning levels, but also we're seeing alcohol is on the rise and people are drinking more volume and more often. Are you deployed for any substance concern or specifically opioids or stimulants? So the grant money is, is federal dollars and it comes from the state opioid response dollars. So uh, in the, the previous uh, three years of the program it was only opioids. And now this year they've, they've opened it up to stimulants and it doesn't have to be uh, somebody coming to the ED because of an opioid uh, overdose or stimulant issue. But if they have, if they they come to the ED with an alcohol issue, but have a history of uh, opioids or stimulants, then we can be deployed and, and we can be a part of that. Um, otherwise, because of the uh, grant funding at this point, uh, we can't, which is, which is really unfortunate because we know that there's a need, especially in Wisconsin, 
Um, and, and we're working on, on ways to expand that, but, uh, that's a, that's a big undertaking as well. Yeah. And that, I mean, grant funding is great that you're able to do programs like this, but it can also be frustrating when so many of the federal grant programs are tied to specific substances kind of puts up those walls. So what you guys are doing, I think is great with even just being out there talking about it, getting this up and running, because even just if you're deployed for opioids for stimulants and we know that there's all these other substances out there you're still breaking down barriers you're still breaking that stigma you're still opening the conversation increasing understanding throughout the community on substance use disorder addictions and how communities can really come together to help influence those for the positive despite the the somewhat frustrating lines that the federal grant dollars draw. So I applaud you guys for that. Samantha, I would I would also add that we are well aware of the um, substance use challenges in our communities. And it was clear in the recent in the most recent needs assessment that we did that um, at the end of 2019. So substance use is one of ThetaCare's health priorities, and it has been for um, every cycle that since we've been doing the needs assessment and improvement plans. So just the fact that you're right, just the fact that we are starting somewhere with the knowledge that there's a bigger um, need to address, it gives us information um, and a way, a path to collect data and continue to figure out what that sustainability is in this space. So once we have, and we're having ongoing conversations about sustainability, both with um, with Wisconsin Voices and the statewide network of grantees and internally at ThetaCare, because this is such a high priority. So we are, we are really committed in this space and we're grateful to be partnered with Apricity to start you know, addressing opioids and stimulants with some grant funding, but we are, we are fully intending to continue expanding, like I said before, to the seven um, emergency departments and beyond opioids and stimulants at some point. That is fantastic. And that kind of leads perfectly into my next question is when you guys, so you, you, the chat teams did the plunge and this is one of the outcomes that this program would be a good fit for this community. When you guys started working to bring this to the community, what was the main goal you had in mind or what do you hope to see, you know, three years out from now? The main goal that came out of the plunge when we debriefed was to um, bring peer support services into the more integrated into the community. And when we found the ED to our program and realized that we had a real opportunity to use a population health model for a program across the theta care service area. And because substance use was identified in the needs assessment for all seven hospital markets, um, it really became clear to us that this was something that we needed to, to do to start addressing. We already are doing a lot to address the opioid epidemic internally and with our community partners and um, creating a continuum of care across data care as evidenced by the two programs that we're talking about today. And, and there's a lot of other work going on too. So the, the real purpose of the chat teams was there was three priorities that came out um, from the Fox cities debriefing and two 
that came out of Wild Rose and the common denominator was the peer support. So it, it really was just, how do we implement um, an initiative that utilizes peer support because they recognized the, that there are, there are other recovery resources in the community like counseling, but that peer support model is really, um, it's really strong and evidence-based in meeting the needs of people in the recovery community. And, and Dan, Dan can probably, you know, that's his world. That's what he, he does all day, every day. And so he can probably speak to the power of that even more, but our community, our chat team members in the community, um, members that were part of that debrief and, and vision forward, that was really, you know, one, one lever that they could use. And it gave Theta Care the opportunity to partner a community initiative and some of the work that we do behind, behind our walls. What has been the biggest challenge in getting the ED2 recovery program up and running or utilized on a daily basis in the communities it's currently running in? So we began this work back in August when we did the plunge and then all of the planning. So we have been working to move this forward for some time. And when we we applied for the Wisconsin Voices Grant, that was our, our first step. That was in the summer of 2020. So we were deep in the middle of a pandemic. So I would say that has been the most challenging thing that um, as stretched as our teams have been in COVID, our leadership has been on board with this program from the beginning and very supportive of it. So um, I, I think Dan can probably add some challenges that we've had with as far as the the recovery, you know, bringing the, the peer supports into the emergency departments. But um, I have to say the, the leadership support and the team support within our emergency departments um, it, during the time that we're living in has, has been a challenge, but also super amazing to watch the, um, the teams get excited about what we're able to offer for our patients. Dan, any challenges from the recovery coach side of things? Well, I think some of the challenges have been um, just time, right, Tracy? I mean, the the amount of time that that this takes, I I had no idea um, that that there would be, um, you know, meetings and, and meetings and meetings. And so, I, I mean, from from one standpoint, like if we weren't doing a lot of these meetings over Zoom, I, I don't know what we would we would need we would need to use like the Theta Star helicopter <laughs> to get back and forth from everywhere. Because early on, I mean, we had meetings with Theta and we had meetings with Wisconsin Voices and then we had meetings with the recovery coaches and it's just been, it's been a lot. Um, it's been a lot. So, uh, and I know that uh, Tracy and, and Theta have been great partners in, in getting us uh, the resources that we need and getting us in front of the right people. But, you know, that, that has its own challenge. I, I think it's one thing to introduce a program and to be able to stand in front of a group of hospital staff and talk about it, you get, you know, you would get better attention than trying to present a program that is brand new to them over Zoom and, you know, everybody's busy. Some people are listening on the phones while they're walking around or they're listening while they're driving back and forth to work. And it, it's just hard. And so you don't know 
how engaged people are. So I think that that definitely has been a part of uh, some struggles early on, and, and especially just getting it introduced to uh, to all of the the hospital staff who work different shifts. And you know, you got one person who's coming off of a night shift, or one person who's starting the beginning of their day. I mean, it's just different levels of of focus that that people are coming at this. So that for sure has been a challenge. Um, and and we've learned along the way, we've, we've come back in front of a couple of groups and we've created some handouts and some uh, brochures or flyers to, for them to put up in the emergency departments to continue to help to remind them. So we've learned uh, along the way how to, to figure out, uh, you know, what can be helpful. And we've had some success stories in, you know, in, in the month and a half that we've been doing it. And that has helped. That's helped the recovery coaches uh, to get buy-in, I think that's helped the emergency department staffs as well to to continue to um, see the value in the program. Yes, yeah, seeing something work is always more impactful than hearing about something that might work at some point in the future. And that was going to be my next question: Is have you seen any success stories so far? And if so, are you willing to share those with us? Sure, absolutely, because um, they give me goosebumps to to talk about them. So um, we've had in, in about six weeks, I think we've had uh, 17 calls. So we've had uh, eight in Nina, eight in Shano, and, and one in, in Berlin. And um, the call in Shano was, was one of our very first calls. I think it was our, our third call overall. And, and some of our coaches, like this is all new for them as well. They've gone through recovery coach training, but they haven't met with people outside of uh, working with people at Apricity. So they weren't necessarily familiar with or knowing what to expect either. So um, we got a call uh, during the day and, and one of our coaches went up there. And uh, while he was on his way, I got an email from one of the emergency department staff who said, not sure that we should have made this call. The person is, is very feisty. Um, she's been in the emergency department before. She said she won't meet with a crisis worker or recovery coach, uh, but I called anyway. So our recovery coach was already on the way and we said, yep, that's absolutely the, the people that we want to be there for. It, it may or may not work, um, but we still like uh, dispatching a coach is, is still the, the, right, uh, the right thing to do. So coach went and then uh, maybe an hour or so later, an hour and a half later, uh, I got an email back from that same staff person who said, I can't believe it. Uh, the recovery coach got here and they've been talking for the last 45 minutes. Um, they're talking about what to do next. She's agreed to go to um, a detox center in Green Bay. They're looking for options and, and when they can get her moved and uh, how to stay connected afterwards. So she was super excited about how it worked. The recovery coach, he came back and was, you know, he sent emails out to all of our other recovery coaches and said, I can't believe what we're a part of. Um, I can't believe how this worked. And he said, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say until the, the minute I walked into the room. I wasn't really sure what I was going to say. Um, and he said, I introduced myself and, and told, uh, told her what he'd been through and that he'd laid in that bed in the past, uh, after having overdosed. 
And then he said he let her talk and she talked for 45 minutes and spilled her guts and talked about all kinds of uh, stuff as far as substance use. Uh, they agreed, you know, she agreed to, to go to Willow Creek in Green Bay. Uh, and then they've had some follow-up communication afterwards. So, um, you know, just being there for people and, and listening and trying to help find a, a resource. Uh, it was, it was pretty amazing. So that was, that was one. And that was, you know, early on. So Shauna was, was all in at that point. Uh, they, they totally got it. So it was very cool. Fantastic. That's uh, such a powerful story. Right. We had, we had one other um, instance in Nina and early on we were, we were a little concerned because Nina, I think is a bigger hospital. They're busier. They had lots of, you know, stuff going on. So were they going to think to call? Were they going to, you know, w- would we be top of mind to, to be a, uh, a resource for them. So I, I think it was probably two weeks before we got a, a, a phone call from them. Um, but we were, we were asking questions and trying to figure out what, what was going on. And cause we had gotten that, uh, a handful of calls already from Shano, but, but nothing from Nina. And so we got a call and uh, went to uh, dispatch a, a coach and, and they, they went and talked with the person and afterwards the patient and the, emergency department director was talking uh, to the patient just to get a, a feel for what he thought, how it went, how, you know, how the patient was feeling about it and if it was helpful and, and things like that. And the, the patient's response was, thank you for bringing recovery coaches in. I, I, you know, he was, he was kind of floored at the idea of that. And then he said, I think you changed my life today. And it was unsolicited and, um, you know, so the, the ED director then was like, wow, I can't believe it. I can't believe, you know, that the impact that peer support can have in, you know, a half an hour or 45 minutes that, uh, that people are willing to, to start acknowledging some of that. And I think, uh, you know, that person and our recovery coach ha- had continued to meet uh, to look at treatment options. Uh, for the the week or so after, and I think now they're they're continuing to to stay in contact, uh, you know, every couple of days, just checking in. Two amazing stories and amazing outcomes, and I hope for the best for all of those individuals involved. I want to go back to something you said when you first started sharing these stories: is how many calls in how many weeks? So I think we've been about six weeks, and we've had seventeen calls. And I just wanted you to say that again so that people listening can kind of let that sink in because six weeks isn't a very long time and that's 17 calls. So, I mean, that's, this isn't a small issue that you guys are trying to tackle here. It's across several communities. It is a big issue that affects a lot of people and not only that individual who's experiencing an overdose or struggling with substance use disorder, all of their loved ones, their family members, the community, those around them are all impacted by it too. So I, I, yeah, I just wanted you to say that again, because that's amazing to have that volume of calls in just the first six weeks when people in ERs and in, in the position to make that call are still deciding whether or not they like the idea, right? So that you have so much success so early on and you're getting so many calls is I think a really 
hopefully an early indicator of how successful and how impactful this program will be for the community. Yeah, and I think the other the other outcome that we've seen with that is of those uh, 17 people, I, I think eight of them have continued to stay in contact beyond that initial visit. So, uh, you know, just it, it may not work the first time. We know that. We know that people are going to, you know, may continue to use, they may continue to uh, struggle, but at least they know that they have a resource who understands them. They, they may not feel like, um, I mean, they, you know, they're going to get in trouble by making a phone call. It's not like calling a, your probation officer or anything like that. It's just a, a resource to reach out to and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling today. Um, can we meet for coffee? Can we talk on the phone? Can we, you know, just connect and, and, and know that from there, I mean, our coaches are, are trained to, to help people. So through motivational interviewing and other ways, you know, to, just to be resources, if we can help to, you know, help people make informed decisions about their recovery, that's a step in the right direction. And you mentioned that you're trying to grow your recovery coaches, especially in some of the more rural communities. If somebody listening to this is interested in becoming a recovery coach, where should they go to find more information? Uh, com. We list our upcoming trainings for recovery coaching. And, and I think we post it on our Facebook page as well. When we're doing recovery coach trainings, we, we do it. Or we're, we're holding them every, typically every other month right now. And, and knowing that, that we need to grow those uh, recovery coach and the recovery communities in those other, uh, those more rural areas, because, um, you know, from a budget, from a grant standpoint, if we can reduce that travel time and, and be able to uh, meet people sooner and meet people in those communities, that help us be able to continue to expand. Awesome. And we will link the website and Facebook page and ThetaCare's pages about the behavioral health clinic and program in the show notes as well. I have one more question for all of you. While the behavioral health walk-in clinic and the ED2 recovery program are different, there's also areas of potential overlap or parallel. Are there plans to compare and contrast data as both of the programs move forward? And do you see any opportunity to apply what you learned from one area to the other program? Um, I, I can maybe start off on this one. So ThetaCare Behavioral Health and Community Health are very closely aligned because substance use and mental health are both health priorities for us. So our teams meet quarterly. In addition to that, um, you know, when there's different things going on, like initiatives, the, the behavioral health team was a part of this process for ED to recovery from the beginning. And as they were um, getting ready to open the behavioral health walk-in clinic, they informed us as well. And we shared all of that information through our chat teams and, and with the ED to recovery advisory team. And so we're staying closely aligned that way. As I mentioned earlier, we're also building a continuum of care. And these are two pieces of that continuum. So there's um, a HRSA grant right now that the coordinator is involved in the advisory team for the, the ED to recovery. Her work is the grant cover Shawano and Wapaka. So we're staying very closely aligned there because that grant um, has pieces of it that are impactful for the work that we're doing. 
we have talked about how, how we might expand referrals. So eventually the grant funding for ED to recovery will allow us, we're starting in the emergency department. It doesn't have to stay in the emergency department. It could come from any of our other clinics. An example of that is Bellin has expanded it to OB and to their orthopedics clinic. Um, and it's also meant, the Wisconsin Voices for Recovery grant is also meant to get community referrals. So again, just being thoughtful in how we scale and partner with community. We have an advisory team that includes behavioral health, the um, HRSA grant coordinator, Apricity, I'm on that. And then we have community members a part of that as well. So we are coordinating um, well between all of these different moving pieces. So there's um, what's going on within ThetaCare to build the continuum of care, what's going on in our community, and how do we all intersect to make sure that we're efficient and meeting the needs as much as possible. Maisie, I don't know if you want, or Dan, if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, I agree with you. And again, the walk-in care clinic really has been staffed to be able to um, serve those patients who are dealing with both substance use disorders or general mental health issues or those combined as well. So we very strategically staffed our clinic to be able to serve anyone who walks in the door. Um, additionally, like I had stated earlier, we, we know of those services in the community. So again, being able to have a starting point as patients come into the walk-in clinic, our goal at that point is to serve them in that moment and then get them connected to the services that they need ongoing. And having all of these resources in the community is really, even if it's just a starting point for someone seeking help to get them connected, is a win all around. Absolutely. And so nice to know that you're being so thoughtful and strategic so that it's something that can be lasting and sustainable and continue to have that positive impact on our community for years to come. We're so appreciative to partner with Apricity in this space. It's certainly not something that ThetaCare could do on its own. Um, so the fact that they stepped up to be a partner in this is, um, it's been a really great partnership. In order to do this work, all of it, all of it is grant funded right now. So for um, 20 through October of 2021, we have Wisconsin Voices of Recovery funding, which is actually state opioid funding that is renewable annually at, at this point. Um, we also received $60,000 over two years from the Fox Cities chat team and $25,405 from the Regional Basic Needs Giving Partnership. So um, that's allowing us to, to complete this work this year. Well, thank you all so much for coming and sharing about your programs today. I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us about it. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us.